uh, we observed that when we increased uh, the share of ultra-processed food in our diet by uh, 10%, there was uh, an increased risk of uh, overall cancer and also more specifically breast cancer of uh, more than 10%. That was Mathilde Touvier, Senior Researcher in Nutritional Epidemiology at INSERM, the French Research Institute. And I'm Duncan Jarvis, Multimedia Editor here at the BMJ. Now, what have you eaten today? Since doing this interview, I've become aware of the amount of packaged food that I eat, because this study has found a correlation between ultra-processed food consumption and cancer in a large prospective cohort study in France. In this conversation with Mathilde and Bernard Strauer, a pharmacist and PhD candidate at INSERM, we discuss that research, what ultra-processed foods actually are, i.e. what should we be avoiding, why is it that they could be leading to cancer, and what their cohort tells us about that potential risk. The paper in question is Consumption of Ultra-Processed Foods and Cancer Risk, results from the Nutrinet Sante Prospective Cohort, which is now available on bmj.com so you can read whilst you listen. Now over to the rest of the interview. So you've been studying ultra-processed foods, um, and I know what processed foods are, uh, I think I do anyway, but what exactly are ultra-processed foods? How do they differ from um, from the kind of, I don't know, everyday food that you might uh, buy in a grocer? In order to categorize our foods and beverages based on their food processing degree, uh, we use the classification uh, named NOVA, which has been developed by uh, researchers in the University of Sao Paulo. Mm -hmm. And this classification categorized foods and beverages into four groups. Uh, the, first, the first group is unprocessed or minimally processed food. The second one is processed culinary ingredients. The third group is processed food, and the fourth is ultra-processed food. So to answer your question regarding the differences mm. between processed and ultra-processed, uh, normally we consider here that uh, food which has been prepared by adding salt, uh, for example, or mm. sugar, or food that, that has been prepared by a simple industrial technology will be classified into processed. However, uh, everything uh, which has been prepared, uh, for example, mass-produced breads, uh, sweet or savory packaged snacks, whatever that has been hydrogenated, right. uh, modified starches, protein, uh, proteins, everything that has undergone an industrial process yes. by adding additives or contact materials or uh, substances other than culinary ingredients. So the kind of thing that when you look at the back of the packet and you see the ingredient list, you can't recognize half of the things on there. They don't seem to actually be foodstuffs. Yeah, uh, that that's not a good thing. I mean, I, <laughs> when you don't recognize stuff, I mean, most of the things are usually additives. So when you have additives other than salt or just sugar, then the product is most probably ultra-processed. Sure. 
and maybe we can can give um, a couple of examples to distinguish between processed and ultra processed for for instance when you talk about uh, fruit compotes if you only add um, sugar it's considered as processed food but uh, when talking about fruit desserts with added sugar but also texturizing agents colorants <laughs> uh, they should be considered as ultra processed food and it's the same when you you talk about uh, canned uh, salted vegetables they are only processed foods but um, when they are industrially cooked or fried and uh, seasoned uh, marinated in industrial sauces with uh, added flavorings and so on they are considered as uh, ultra processed vegetables great so that's very clear thank you um, now these have been around obviously for a while I mean I think all my life um, there has been some sort of element of, of ultra processed food in my diet um, I'm just wondering, do you have any data on, uh, you know, how prevalent consumptions of these are? Has consumption gone up over time? You know, are we eating more of these? That kind of thing. Any idea of, of, of that kind of pattern? Yeah, sure. In fact, uh, during the, the last decades and in many countries in Europe, in the US and in uh, other countries, such in Brazil, for instance, um, diets are really have shifted towards a dramatic increase in ultra processed food consumption. Um, these products, there are several studies suggesting that they represent uh, now between 25 and 50 percent of total daily energy intake. And uh, in France, when we compare the previous um, national survey called uh, INCA2 um, performed in uh, 2006, compared to the one performed just um, uh, last year, so maybe uh, about 10 years um, before, there was a dramatic increase in uh, uh, processed food uh, consumption and so also ultra processed food consumption. Mm. So if you're uh, eating it in France, the country that invented cuisine, then we can assume that everyone else is eating it as well. Yes, in France also. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, so I'm just, you know, uh, we've already, as we discussed, there are lots of things in there that um, that make it ultra-processed. And, and the the method of, of processing, you know, the industrial sort of techniques of frying and, and everything else, um, that might be adding things into the uh, into the mix as well. So um, you're looking specifically at the link between ultra-processed food and risk of cancer. So um, what might be the sort of underlying biological cause of that? Do you have any idea about that? I mean, we, we had several hypotheses that uh, it's the bad nutritional quality of these ultra-processed food that might be involved in cancer risk. Mm -hmm. And there's another hypothesis, which could be that the food additives or the uh, packaged material that are involved during the processing of these foods uh, that can be involved in, in cancer risk. And the other point, maybe also the the, um, the neophorb compounds uh, that could be formed during the process. For example, when you heat um, products, you can yeah. have uh, acrylamide and mm -hmm. so on. So mm -hmm. these are the four uh, main hypotheses that um, yes, we, we, we put forward to, to explain our results. Mm, so it could be either adding stuff into the diet that, that might be carcinogenic or else potentially pushing out um, things like fruit and vegetables that we know have a protective effect. 
Yes, there, there has been studies um, about the nutritional quality of ultraprocessed food, and yes. uh, really, they, they uh, as an average, and but they appear poorer in terms of vitamins, minerals, dietary fibers, uh, which um, may have protective effects uh, for cancer risk and other chronic diseases, uh, and they also are often richer in terms of uh, saturated fat, uh, fats and uh, salt, for instance. Mm. Uh, and so this was uh, one of our uh, hypotheses that this nutritional quality, poorer nutritional quality could explain part of our results, but we've uh, performed several analysis that indicated uh, that um, uh, apparently uh, the relationship between ultraprocessed food and cancer risk was not only mediated by, by this poorer nutritional quality, but um, um, apparently by other compounds such as maybe additives or neoform compounds or, yes. and material of contact. Thank you. That's um, that is interesting. Now, um, let's talk about the the study that you've actually done here. Um, it's called the Nutrinet Sante study. So um, you haven't just set this up to look at uh, ultra processed food. So so what's the who's this cohort and and what are you trying to study with them generally? So the, the Nutrinet Santé cohort study is a web-based cohort that we launched in 2009 and that we coordinate here at uh, the Nutritional Epidemiology Research Team of uh, INSERM. Mm -hmm. um, today, we, we've included uh, about 160,000 um, uh, volunteers uh, who regularly answer to uh, questionnaires and in particular uh, regarding their diet, but also their physical activity, dietary supplement use and many, many other uh, dietary behaviors. Um, and we follow them in time um, uh, and we measure the appearance of uh, chronic diseases such as cancers, for, for instance. And so uh, this is a very um, big um, uh, cohort about mm -hmm. nutrition and health relationships with very detailed information about uh, diet and dietary behaviors. Mm. And um, do, you have, do you also collect the kind of information that will allow you to... Um, you know, adjust for socioeconomic um, place and, and, and things like that, diet, sorry, exercise, other things that might have a, uh, um, an effect on, on the kind of thing that you're studying. Uh, so uh, yes, we uh, we have many uh, factors and variables which we can use in uh, in our models as adjustment factors, such as social demographic factors like uh, income, like educational level, uh, among other lifestyle factors like uh, smoking, like physical activity, and we also collect. Uh, anthropometric uh, variables such as BMI, uh, height, other uh, data regarding the health status of the participant, such as their their family history of diseases. Uh, like here, for example, we adjusted for family history of cancer. So it seems like you've got a, a very rich data set from which to to pull um, some signals and also to to then you know, mitigate for confounding, potential confounding factors. Um, now, obviously, this study is observational in nature. Um, and uh, so we have to, to uh, you know, bear that in mind when we're, we're thinking about causality and things. Um, but could you take us through then the sort of top line of, of what it is when you looked at people's consumption of ultra-processed foods and compared it to um, their cancer risk. 
the the, the main result uh, in in this study is mm. that uh, we observed that when we increased uh, the share of ultra processed food in our diet by a 10%, there was uh, an increased risk of uh, overall cancer and also more specifically breast cancer of uh, more than 10 persons. This is the main result in this observational cohort study. Let's sort of delve into a little bit more detail there. Um, when you looked at um, breast cancer risk, though that was uh, changed by whether a woman was pre or postmenopausal. is that right? Yes. Yes, results were, were different between the two, but in fact, they were in the same direction. But uh, we had a higher statistical power in postmenopausal breast cancer women, which is the, the same in the general population. Mm. And um, maybe this is why the results was more specifically significant in postmenopausal women than in premenopausal women. And I wouldn't say that uh, there is no effect in premenopausal women. Maybe we lack statistical power in this subgroup. Okay, so it was potentially a statistical artifact rather than... Maybe, than, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, as you said at the beginning, there are potentially different um, hypotheses or mechanisms by mm-hmm. which um, ultra-processed mm-hmm. foods might be affecting that cancer risk. Yeah. So what were you able to kind of tease out of your um, out of your data about the sort of the individual effects of the quality of the nutrition or, or additives or, or whatever it was? Okay, so uh, we performed mediation analysis to, in order to uh, disentangle uh, the effect of nutritional quality or the effect of uh, lipids uh, separately or uh, the, the dietary pattern or carbohydrates or uh, fibers. So we so we could see if the uh, if the effect we absor- we observed was dri- uh, was driven by one of these components, mm. and uh, when uh, when we performed this mediation analysis, we found that uh, the association between uh, the consumption of ultra processed food and cancer was not driven by the healthy uh, by a healthy dietary pattern nor by a Western dietary pattern, nor by the lipids nor by the uh, Carbohydrates. So it's uh, probably one of the other hypotheses that we mentioned uh, before, uh, which could be food additives or uh, neoformed products or uh, contact materials. Mm. So that's interesting. And when it comes to someone reading this study who's thinking about their diet, um, this means that it's not just good enough to eat more vegetables as well as. Um, as as the ultra processed food, it's really about eliminating those potential um, causative mechanisms from your diet totally. I mean, it's it's uh, it, it's a mix of recommendations if you want, uh, especially that uh, in the last French recommendations of nutrition, uh, there was one recommendation which which recommends people to lower their consumption of processed foods and to give the priority to unprocessed food. In their yeah. diet, it, it, yeah. it's the first time. Yes, indeed, it, it's the first time in France uh, that the, the official recommendations, the new ones, uh, came out this year uh, in 2017, and it's the first time that um, they officially mentioned uh, the fact that we should give priority to minimally processed food. Mm. Before, we didn't have that in our official recommendations. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and I was going to ask, you know, where does this sit? In? I know this is the first study to look particularly at ultra-processed food and, and cancer risk. Um, but where does this sit in the sort of pantheon of research that we've done on ultra-processed food? And, and 
can you give us a, a sort of an overall picture of, of what's going on? Yeah, uh, in fact, um, this particular study is the first one um, investigating the relationship between ultra-processed food intake and cancer risk. Yeah. But uh, there has been a few studies um, regarding other health outcomes uh, showing, for instance, um, uh, an, uh, an, an involvement of uh, ultra-processed food in uh, increasing the risk of uh, dyslipidemia um, in uh, Brazilian children, in a uh, higher risk of overweight and obesity, uh, and also uh, hypertension in a prospective cohort uh, study of uh, Spanish university students. Uh, these are on the only few um, prospective studies that have been conducted worldwide. And uh, after that, there has been some cross-sectional and ecological studies, but with a, a lower um, uh, weight of uh, evidence, a, a lower quality in terms of epidemiology. Uh, mm. the they also suggested uh, an involvement of uh, ultra-processed food in, um, uh, in uh, adverse health effects. So I suppose um, the question that, that our readers might be asking, or, or in fact the patients that go and see them is, you know, what does this mean for me? And I suppose um, maybe what does it mean for you? Um, has this changed the way that you, you think about your diet, that you think about... Uh, picking up that snack that might be easy to, to get in the supermarket to make you think twice about what you're eating. Yeah, <laughs> certainly. In fact, it, it's um, uh, the princi principle of uh, precaution, precaution principle, in fact. Yeah. Uh, I mean, um, the study about the impact of uh, trap-processed food on our health is only starting now. Uh, these are the, the first studies that are coming out. And so um, for the moment, we don't really know the, the real impact of these products on our health. But uh, there are animal and experimental studies suggesting that some uh, additives, for instance, may be carcinogenic and uh, have other uh, properties such as endocrine descriptors, for instance. Mm. And so for the moment and in the, the, the actual uh, state of um, the art in terms of uh, uh, scientific knowledge, we, yes, yes, I think we should definitely uh, give priority to minimally processed food and uh, check what are the uh, processed food that are safe and the additives that are really safe and uh, maybe use them in the future, but for the moment, give priority to, uh, to really raw and simple foods. So it seems like we're on the start of the process. What's next for the Nutrinet Sante study that's going to help us uh, understand the, the role of ultra-processed foods in, in all sorts of diseases later on? In the Nutrinet Sante cohort, we are uh, launching a new uh, big project on uh, additives because um, in this cohort, we have uh, very um, unique data in terms of um, precision, accuracy of dietary data, because we have not only repeated 24-hour uh, records uh, with uh, mm. um, more than uh, 3,000 uh, generic food items, but we also have the brands of industrial, industrial products consumed. And uh, this is important because there is a strong um, variability of composition and notably additive composition between um, industrial brands. And cool. this will um, allow us to deeply investigate the uh, precise additive exposures of the participants and make correlations uh, between these exposures and the uh, incidence of health outcomes, cancers and other chronic diseases. And we also have a biobank in the Nutrinet Sante cohort with more than uh, 20,000 uh, people in this biobank that will uh, allow us to perform 
from investigations in terms of uh, mechanisms that underlie these uh, relationships, uh, oxidative stress, meta metabolomics analysis, and so on. And so really, we will um, have a strong perspective uh, of this uh, first uh, work with this uh, project on, the, on food additives. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. And you said there, obviously, you're able to look at formulations, which include additives. Are you able to look at um, those neoformed compounds that you talked about as well? Are you actually analysing the foodstuff to see about things like levels of acrylamides and, and so on? It's more complicated in terms methodologically. It's not the same because when you talk about a food additives, these are ingredients that are added in the foods. And so you mm. have the information when you look at the label and uh, we have databases that we will be able to, to merge with our nutrient santé consumption um, database. So it, it's methodologically, it's feasible to have this information on, on things that you add on purpose in the food, so food additives. Mm. But for neofound compounds, it's complicated because you don't have the information on the label. So it would mean uh, perform um, laboratory assays uh, directly in the foods to check the level of acrylamides and so on. Mm. So it's really not the same uh, investigation. And sure, in the future, we will uh, want to investigate also this point. But this will be another project. You've been listening to Mathilde Touvier and Bernard Schraer talk about the new research paper Consumption of ultra-processed foods and cancer risk results from the Nutrinet Sante Prospective Cohort, now available on bmj.com. We'll be back soon with more research from the BMJ, but before that, we'll be finding out about the Sustainable Development Goals. How many people could they actually help? And we'll be talking about fever in someone that's come back from holiday. What could it be? Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss out on that. I'm Duncan Jarvis. Thanks for listening.